0: <laughs>
2: i yeah. <laughs> Welcome back to Star Wars Escape Pod. I'm your host, Josh and Blake. Our co-host is waiting in the escape pod uh, to chat all about Star Wars, The High Republic, A Test of Courage, a book by Justina Ireland, which uh, launched January 5th, 2021. And it is uh, preceded by Light of the Jedi, which is the last book discussion that we did. Uh, We've been reading these High Republic books to try and stay on top of the curve of all this new story development that's happening within the Star Wars saga. And uh, of course, we're going to begin into this next chapter of the Star Wars story uh, called A Test of Courage. So stay tuned for this spoiler centric discussion.
0: Another happy landing.
1: Hello there. <laughs> hey man, could be back.
2: <laughs> Good to have you back as always. Uh, we have another Star Wars book one of one of. Uh, I posted a tweet the a other day. Right a now. lot coming out right now. A lot coming out. A lot coming out. I I posted a tweet on the on the podcast Twitter the other day, yeah. and uh, it was in response to one that Kobo had sent out saying if you could only read one genre of book or something for the rest of your (laughs) life, which one would it be? (laughs) And I said, Star Wars, because there's enough books in the category that it could qualify as a genre. (laughs)
1: Honestly, at
2: this point, yeah, you're not wrong there. There's a lot of books. There's so many, dude. There's uh, in the expanded universe in general, I believe there's close to 300 novels. And that's including uh, the younger reader ones. You know, that's that's everything from junior to young that's adult with to EU. That's all the EU stuff. Only yeah. the EU stuff. That's uh, just Star okay. Wars Legends non-canon material. And that's nuts. With and canon Bryce has pl- read them all. <laughs> nah, I'm not sure if he has. Uh, we, we, we make jokes that he's read them all, but no, he's he's read a good chunk though. He's, he's read it, a lot more than I have.
1: He's at least gone on the on the the wikis and read everything that happened. At least really seems to have. He's yeah. uh, he he's yeah. like name drop some obscure thing and he's like, oh yeah, it's that thing from this place. Like, right? How do you know that?
2: <laughs> his, his vast EU knowledge is is still not enough to compete with my ultimate trivia? Uh, that I made uh, for the for the hundred victory celebration <laughs> episode. It was, all,
1: it was all Clone
2: Wars, man. That's like his weak spot. That that was his weak spot for <laughs> sure. But yeah, I mean, after, out, out of all the questions I made, though, he he did actually know a fair few of those those uh, obscure those legends. Ones. Yeah, yeah, those legends questions. That's a strong which, point for sure. Yeah, today that would get a lot of people because uh, you know any new Star Wars fans, you know, getting into Star Wars, a lot of the the new books for the last. Five six years have all been canon, right? So yeah. they've been diverging away from most of that source material. That well, it's uh, that- funny because
1: like at the same time, they're also slowly taking stuff out and bringing it back in. So it almost yeah. gives us old school fans a little bit right. of, like I guess, right. uh, stuff to share. Like, oh look, this is that thing from that obscure piece of Star Wars material that happened twenty years
2: ago. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, exactly. It's uh, it's quite funny, actually, like uh, the, the interview where Kathleen Kennedy kind of oh, there's a lot of people mad about this, where she <laughs> said she said something along the lines of how we have nothing to like. Oh, based yeah. our stories on. You remember yeah, that? I remember this. Yeah. Right. I forget the exact words. People, use, like, what are you talking about? There's like thousands <laughs> and thousands of hours of material. Yeah, there's like. It's like well, but none of it's good. <laughs> <laughs> none of it's good. None of it competes with the greatness of Brian Johnston. <laughs> <laughs> there's a reason why we scrapped it all. It was awful.
1: <laughs> oh, man, honestly, what oh, they man. should do is they should just get. Uh, Timothy
2: Zahn, to just write the outline for all of their stories and everything will be way better. (laughs) Right, right. Uh, Although, speaking of Timothy Zahn, though, you aren't overly the biggest fan of the newer Thrawn books, though. Not as much. You've read two of them, I think, right?
1: To me, it's kind of hard just because I like the old version of Thrawn so much Mm. and it feels not quite the same and it kind of bothers me. (laughs) <laughs> so I've had a hard time getting into it. It almost feels like a clinical version of him. Right. That's that's more or less the only reason. And I just kind of tapered off all the books for a while there. Let's, if I were to pick up where I was, I would definitely be reading the Thrawn books, though. I think I only I read like one or one and a half. Mm-hmm. I own the second one, a hardcover, but I haven't read it yet.
2: Yeah. I, uh, I, I've i read the, the first two out of the original trilogy, the third one being Thrawn Treason, and uh, never made my way to that. But that one did not get the best reviews, surprisingly enough. However, his new trilogy that he's making, the, the Thrawn Ascendancy trilogy, yeah. which is a prequel trilogy to- The ones that we've read uh those ones have been doing pretty well like i've heard great things about uh, yeah yeah, i've heard great things about chaos rising and stuff but because it's a, a prequel trilogy to this Trilogy that I haven't finished yet with Throne Treason. Uh, I still want to read that book, even though the reviews are not overly the best. I still want yeah, to get just to say I finished, it. Yeah, I've finished. Yeah, I got to finish the trilogy. You know, just like yeah. Aftermath, it was a hard pill to swallow, but uh, <laughs> not, I, not, that this, like... not that this one's a bad bad Damn. series. But uh, you know, I, I, you I know, know what you're talking about. It's not it's not as good as you would expect.
1: Yeah, and I think honestly now I'm thinking about it a bit more. I think the reason that is is when he when. Uh, Zahn had originally created the character. You no, know, not only was it fresh, but he was kind of doing his own thing. And now it's like, okay, mm-hmm. here's a contract. Can you write X number of books? Just do it. And then it feels a little forced. You know what I mean?
2: Oh, so you're saying that uh, within the, the bounds of the canon, he's a bit uh, confined to Flex's freedom with the character, so to speak? Is that, is that what you're saying? No, nah, it just feels a little rushed. Like Okay, all right. Just, I
1: have like it's not about a story anymore. It's about getting x number of books.
2: Yeah, you know, in a, in a way, it does feel that way. I mean, yeah, it, it makes me wonder how much some of these authors get paid for the work that they do with with. Well, we know books. if they're Canadian, they get they get to the double dip. Right, right, right. <laughs> <laughs> they get the the library tax credit. That's right. <laughs> uh, from from all us Canadians actually using libraries, which. Still, there's
1: there's actually a surprising (laughs) amount of people, at least like in Vancouver.
2: yeah, yeah, like the big one downtown. Anyway. Oh, right, right, right. Yeah, that's true enough. Uh, So we got a test of courage with Justina Ireland. Uh, It's it's 200 pages long uh, or so. 204 with the epilogue. Uh, I had no idea how many pages there were because when I was using the Kobo app I like scaled it in so yeah. the page numbers are all obscure <laughs> oh gotcha gotcha yeah so I it's did you did you make your way through the whole thing My I did I or... managed
1: to get all the way to the end of the epilogue tonight I'm a, I'm, a, I'm also a, ashamed to say that I did not read the section at the end of the book about the author I happened to skip that so if you have any trivia <laughs> questions on that I'm sorry man it's a it's gonna be above me,
2: <laughs> right? That's that's fair. That's fair. Uh, well, there's not much on that page anyway, so so I think we're good. Uh, but uh, I know, in in general, like I don't want to go into as thorough detail as Light of the Jedi and stuff. We'll keep this a uh, we basically spark
1: noted the whole book. <laughs> a, yeah, we we
2: basically did. Yeah, in an audible form. So if any of you guys listening did enjoy Light of the Jedi. Uh, you know, let us know. And if you didn't, <laughs> let us know. <laughs> you know, it's you know it's the whole uh, book. There's
1: nothing left to be revealed. We basically went right. chapter with chapter.
2: We went so. full spoiler. We went full spoiler <laughs> mode and uh and didn't leave anything out. And uh, you know, that that was more or less an intention of mine in a way, but at the same time. Uh, Because I thought, oh, you know what? This episode, it might be good for anyone who's not interested in reading the book, but just hearing about the book, right? Uh, With a book like this, it's a junior novel and not overly essential to the overall narrative that's happening. It's kind of a supplement book that works its way into that main story. And, uh, and, and so I figured, you know, let's just chat about the general plot, some of the characters, you know, anything that we picked out and, uh, just kind of how it works its way into the bigger narrative. And, uh, you can
1: really see that by the end of the book when some of the other more prominent characters from the first novel start to show up.
2: Right. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, just starting with, starting with the plot, you know, it, it might be a good, good space to, uh, to just read the, uh, the publisher's summary or, or sorry, the plot summary here. All right. So, uh, on a mission of sabotage, uh, an undercover Nile pirates, Klinath Da and Guishi land, uh, stole <laughs> <laughs> and Guishi land their stolen cargo hauler at Port Hellleap. Oh my goodness. All the, all these, all these <laughs> alien words to me. The, the Galactic Republic is looking to expand into the Dalnan sector, which the Nile do not want to happen. And so the duel have been sent to destroy the Republic starship Steadywing as it leaves Hail Leap. Since someone important to the Republic is supposed to be on board, Klyneth, a human, is uncomfortable with at least some of her piercings in, <laughs> deciding to put her silver lip... What the heck? I think someone's <laughs> edited this page. <laughs> I'm reading off the Wikipedia page. What the heck? Uh... What? Okay, you know what? Never mind. I'm just going to... I'm just going to... You know what? I'm just going
1: to... Hold on. That was beautiful. That was beautiful. (laughs) I think you should... Clip that and send it to Audible as an application to read for them.
2: <laughs> <laughs> I'll read the published summary instead, all right? Like two paragraphs here, all right? Long before the Clone Wars, the Empire, or the or the First Order, uh, the Jedi lit the way in the galaxy in the Golden Age known as the High Republic. Vernestra Rowe has become a Jedi Knight at the age of 15, but her first real assignment feels an awful like a lot like babysitting. She's been charged with supervising 11-year-old and aspiring inventor Avon Stoller, on a cruiser headed in to the dedication of the wondrous new space station called the Starlight Beacon. But soon their journey uh, on their journey, bombs go off aboard their cruiser while the adult Jedi try to save the ship. Vernestra Avon and Avon's droid J-6, a Jedi Padawan, and an ambassador's son make their way to an escape shuttle. But communications are out and supplies are low. They decide to land on a nearby moon, which offers shelter, but not much more. And unbeknownst to them, danger lurks in the forest. So, um, along with those dangers come the Nile, which are uh, hunting Denial. down the survivors of the escape pod. Uh, for the so Nile! For the Nile! For the eye! <laughs> <laughs> Storm uh, is upon so- us! <laughs> <laughs> so bad. Um, <laughs> light of the Jedi references everybody so uh yeah it's 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 interesting you know seeing these these uh, kids of various ages and stuff mm. 15 for Jedi Knight that is really that's very young but they
1: also young. make a point of noting that specifically and yeah. uh, that may be young for the time I bet there were Jedi being knighted during the Clone Wars early right with like right what do they call it battle promotion. Some of that,
2: yeah. I I remember one episode of the Clone Wars where it was Kit Fisto's Padawan who was knighted, and he got he he got killed by Grievous so fast. Kit Fisto. (laughs) Kit Fisto. The big Jamaican <laughs> smile. Yeah, I like that guy a lot. Yeah. Actually, yeah, Bryce has yeah. his lightsaber. Yeah. Yes, he does. Yeah, it's a, it's a pretty cool one to have, actually. Uh, but yeah, he gets killed pretty quickly uh, in the Clone Wars, and and so you know is is he's, he's got a huge amount of overconfidence. But in in terms of uh, is Vernestra right? She's the the Jedi Knight. Yeah, that's right. So so it, her her uh thing that she struggles with is that she kind kind of doubts herself a little bit. She's really. Um, I don't know. She's not. She doesn't feel overly. Uh, would you say she doesn't feel ready for, for um tasks as not, a Jedi? Knight?
1: Not compared to the other Jedi, Emery right. is definitely a lot more self-conscious and nervous. She, I think, is actually more a struggle of kind of being overbearing. Of yeah. People. <laughs> yeah. Like people feel she's kind of judgmental. I guess. Yeah. That being said, um, the, the characters that feel that way are usually. The ones are, you know, up to no good. Yeah. So. <laughs> uh,
2: there's out, out of all the characters, I think they all they all have and, uh, you know, hence the title of the book, Test of Courage. They all kind of have their thing going on that they're struggling with, like as they undergo these these stressful circumstances of of surviving this uh, this ship crash and or the escape pod crash and and the events that they witnessed on board the. Jeez, uh, <laughs> I'm forgetting the name of the ship now Uh you know you know what i'm talking about right so um the, the it's, first it, one the beginning the uh the, the name the name of the ship yeah what was the name of the ship again
1: i'd have to look it up they haven't mentioned it very often since it blew up
2: uh yeah so so since the um uh, uh since since the uh the ship blew it's up the Yes, thank you. Yeah, the, the City Wing. So so since the ship blew up, I mean who's whose master was it that died? Was it Vernestro's uh It was, I think it was Im- master, right? So master, really, yeah. She's really struggling with His name was Douglas with,
1: such a very <laughs> normal name. All these crazy Star Wars names that you can't pronounce, and then and then Doug, and then yeah, exactly. <laughs> Jedi Master Doug. <laughs> so good. I, I remember his name more than anybody else. I love this.
2: He's just it. like this this hick kind of guy, you know? Yeah, he was too. Um, he
1: doesn't like wearing robes or anything. He wears he basically wears dresses nothing. like Luke. He dresses like Luke. Right, right, right.
2: Yeah, he like just workers' like
1: clothes and boots. Looks like a farmer.
2: Yeah, I, I like, I you know, it makes me wonder what kind of person in Justina Ireland's life that he was based on. It, it, it definitely gives me a chuckle, Doug. Uh, but yeah, it, yeah it's, it's probably her uncle or whatever. It, it also reminds me of, uh, I think there's a Marvel character named, Is uh, it Doug? I think it was the little. There's an
1: alien species named Doug.
2: <laughs> that, that, that that is also true. <laughs> Maybe it used to be Doug, and then she was like, "Oh no,
1: everyone's gonna think he's a Doug." So she added Lass, Douglas.
2: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So uh, Doug, uh, Doug, uh, he was that little, uh, that little alien creature, or, or, uh, or in Thor Ragnarok, that um, that's. Oh, dead. Yeah. And and when Thor gets to that battle arena, you know, the big rock guy is like. All right, new Doug. You know? yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah, Replaces the Doug, the Doug who is always optimistic about leaving or whatever. I don't know. That's pretty Anyways, funny. Um, yeah, so so the characters all have their own challenge that they're facing and everything and, and they're actually and, really uh,
1: unique. That was one thing I did enjoy was each character did feel like their its own unique storyline going on. Yeah. There's actually more depth than I would have expected in characters for a junior novel. <laughs>
2: Right, right, uh, and that's that's kind of the one one thing I really wanted to get to is like the fact that it's a junior novel. Really, uh, it, it's not meant to. It's not meant as a label to deteriorate anyone from wanting to read this book. Like, like yes, it's a uh, it's more junior friendly. Uh, Is it uh, is it something that's going to take away from the reading experience of of a Star Wars story in general? Like, I don't think so. Like, it's it's uh, it's a Star Wars story either way. And it's not overly childish. Like, I feel like it was pretty good. And fair warning, it gets better in the second half. Yeah.
1: (laughs) The first half I didn't feel was written very well, to be honest. And then it 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 was
2: it was a slow setup. It was a slow setup for a short book.
1: It was a very slow setup and I actually found it a little deceiving. I didn't read the back page. So the first how many chapters are both an eye hill. And so I thought the hmm. whole book was going to be about the nihil, and then all of a sudden it just stopped and went on to the four main characters, and you never see them again till the end. And I just kept waiting every chapter to read more about the nihil because I care about them more because they're more interesting, and they never <laughs> showed up until the climax.
2: <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, they did get the epilogue, so that's, that's all right. That's true. But, uh, so one thing to note about this story is that the plot overlaps the events of Light of the Jedi, so slightly. Uh, it's slightly. Yeah. So in the light of the Jedi, we start prior to the launch of Starlight, Starlight Beacon. And at the end of the novel, Starlight Beacon is launched. Right. That's the official uh, official day of um, recognition for all the yeah. Jedi. Same with the Marvel what comics. Do they Life Day. <laughs> no. uh, I, I forget the official the official title but uh, but there was a there was a specific name that they called it and it was uh, it was like a, oh, it was a dedication I think it was dedication date uh, for all the Jedi who were going to be knighted and it was going to be aboard the starlight beacon right and that's oh, actually yeah, something that's, that we visually saw in the Marvel comic in
1: yeah that's why they all stand second, up at the end
2: and raise their lightsabers. yes that's right exactly so this entire book takes place before that I'm pretty sure right Because at the very end of the book, they're they're talking about, uh, about, uh, the, uh, what's her face or Vernestra taking on, uh, the younger Jedi as a Padawan. Yeah. And, uh, and it hasn't, hasn't happened yet. Like master, master skier makes an appearance in this book. Mm -hmm. And so I think it's either shortly, it ends shortly before or shortly after the starlight beacon is launched, but I'm pretty sure it was before. Uh, so, okay. but yeah, the, the, I might've
1: missed the time framing that I had just naturally assumed it was afterwards,
2: right? Being the second book we read, you know, it would, it would feel that way, I guess. Um, yeah. but, uh, yeah, the beginning, the beginning of the book, uh, that's, that's one of the, one of the, the things in the background mm-hmm. of the plot is like, this is yet to happen. Yeah. And this is one of the other stories happening before this whole, uh, this whole dedication happens, but the great disaster has already happened.
1: Yeah, because they so, kind of, it's. it seems like they're talking about having to go slowly through space because they can't at the beginning and towards the end, they're willing to risk a few jumps because yeah. it's mostly over. So, yeah, it uh, probably does yeah. line up with a tail end Then I would think. I, I think option. I think
2: what it happens is this whole this whole book is kind of wedged between the first part and the sec and the third part of Light of the Jedi. I think this whole story kind of slots in there somewhere because at the very, very end uh of the of the book, because Cassiv, who is a big player in the Nile, is yeah. dead in Light of the Jedi at the very, very end. Spoilers for anyone who didn't listen to our uh our sports centric view yeah yeah I'm going to uh, that, uh, uh, yeah, yeah. So just, uh, I'm going to be putting it in the description too but I didn't mention <laughs> earlier uh so so you know um Cassiv who's who's a big player in the in, in the Nihil, uh he's uh, referenced in this novel a few times because one of his strikes are the the Nihil people that are actually coming after these these Jedi, right? On yeah. that, have crashed on this planet. These younger, these younger Jedi. So, uh, they reference Cassiv as, as if he's still alive, which gives me the indication that this entire book takes place uh, before okay. he dies in the third section of Light of the Jedi. Yeah. Yeah. That uh, makes because sense. Because he I dies in that big battle, right? <laughs> I saw the yeah.
1: name in the book and I paused on it. I'm like, I feel like I should know this person.
2: Right. Oh, well, right, right. I just carry it on. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, so that was one of the things that stuck out to me. Um, and uh, and and there's one there's actually one piece at the very very end of the epilogue, the last page. One of the the Nihil people talking about you know reminiscing to herself that she would show the Republic and the Jedi just what the Nihil were capable of. Cassiv and the other Tempest Runners would be proud. And when she was done, the Dalnin sector would be nothing but ashes. So that's that's one of the couple sentences from the book there. So at this point, the book is now over, and uh, I believe Cassiv is. Probably, maybe she just doesn't know he's dead yet, but I would Could assume that. that the end of this book ends around the same time that Light of the Jedi ends. They yeah, kind of overlap well, directly. At
1: the very end, we're already jumping towards the end now, but the, the epilogue they talk about is from their perspective. And yep. I forget the name of the character. She's only in that one section. She's a Corin storm leader, whatever they're called. And yeah. she talks about she had to send a bunch of her strikes to go help with whatever thing. I think... The first thing I thought of in my head was that giant battle where the eye like manipulates everything in hyperspace and basically just kills everybody. Mm-hmm. So right. I assume it was that, but I didn't see any specific name reference. Her, uh,
2: her name's Caris, Carasu with an x o o. Uh is the Corran that you're talking about. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, it, it's it's uh it, it's interesting how this story kind of overlaps the events of Light of the Jedi. But it's not a junior adaptation of *Light of the Jedi*. It's a different story that takes place in this frame of time. This already, uh, is
1: already—it's kind of annoying how the canon is. It was all in this time era is already starting off in this really confusing way. And seeing the <laughs> comics, the comics are all overlapping too. Right, so right, right. It's just right. gonna be hard to keep everything separate.
2: I, I think going forward it's gonna be a little easier, uh, just because there is this great disaster that started. That, like they're trying to find this common ground of a beginning point for all these story mediums, and then they're going to kind of go off in their own branches and, and all overlap somewhere. But I found it interesting that this book literally overlaps Light of the Jedi. And, and I think the next one that they make, which is going to be, uh, uh, what did I say it was going to be called, uh, uh, The Race to Crash Point Tower, which is going to be written by Daniel <laughs> Jose Older. Uh, is the next junior novel in the High Republic series. And and I think that's going to be more or less a, a direct sort of continuation of this junior novel series in a way. And we might same see a lot characters. of the same, uh, maybe some similar. Yeah, some of the characters might pop up again. I, I don't know exactly, uh, but uh, it's, it's a possibility. They had, so. uh,
1: they had kind of built it up in a way that I felt like we we're going to see the characters again, at least the two Jedi and the mechanic girl. We haven't really talked about yet. So one of the main four characters, we should probably just dis- describe all of them. So we talked a, a little bit about uh, Fernestra, which was the, more or less the main Jedi. She's the knight and kind of takes charge of the whole thing. Uh, she's a newly uh, knighted Jedi, as we had discussed, and she... She's really coming into her own as a knight. She was expecting to give a lot more freedom, but she's realizing that there's still a lot of duties that are involved in being a knight and just trying to figure out her own path. Uh, Amory is the second Jedi we meet. Uh, he uh, has, a, his Jedi master is coming along with him at the start of the, the novel and he he's really self conscious and doesn't, he's not sure if he really belongs to be in the in the Jedi order. He just feels that he's not strong enough in the force. And he's constantly worried that he's not going to live up to expectations, and his story arc kind of revolves around that and the loss of his master and his pet monkey, <laughs> which is was like the best part of the novel. <laughs> is the little, little monkeys klansies? <laughs> they have six arms.
2: <laughs> he's got a he's got a thing with his his lightsaber too.
1: Oh, that's right. Yeah. So he's. This, this is adding to his self-consciousness where he, he hasn't actually completed creating his lightsaber entirely. It functions, but it actually flickers a lot and it isn't a full strength lightsaber. And so all these things are weighing down on him, making him just very self-conscious of being a Jedi at all.
2: Yeah, so that's kind of reflected in his in the creation of his lightsaber, which is you know the the weapon and the tool of a Jedi. It, it, and and I like how the inconsistency of the blade and the the almost the fragile nature of it kind of reflects his his stature in the in the Jedi as well with his own abilities. So,
1: yeah, that's so true. He's actually very um, mirror to Vernestra. She, it's funny; she's very confident, and not only does she have a regular lightsaber, but the, the Force quote-unquote guided her to actually modify her lightsaber into a light whip so she yeah. can she has like a switch that switches her lightsaber from a, a, a blade to a whip
2: right right actually I, I wrote i wrote that down and i've got very few annotations here so i'm gonna run through them all and uh we'll just we just, should just finish
1: just, the other two characters
2: before we move oh, on right though. yeah sorry yeah of course yeah yeah um uh, yeah so, so who's
1: who's next Next, uh, we'll talk about I guess honesty, which is the mm-hmm. son of the diplomat of the yes. planet of the ship that we're following. <laughs> if, you, <laughs> right. if you can follow that description, uh, and he doesn't feel he's a very good diplomat and doesn't fit in with his family, and let me know, you know t- typical rich kid story. Yeah, and uh, he's he wants to be a, a a military medic, like a field medic. So he's been training to do that, but he also is lacking confidence. This is a Mm -hmm. common theme for the male characters here, except for Master Doug, who probably is the bravest character of the entire novel. Deserves his I, own
2: comic I can just imagine Doug with like this this New Zealand accent, like um, super laid back, <laughs> kind of farmer, you know, like yeah, yeah, that's about well
1: right. Yeah. New
2: Zealand accent. Yeah, it comes so from. Country, it comes why does from the, he have like a southern accent? I don't know. It comes from the Thor Ragnarok <laughs> reference. Oh, <laughs> that's what you're thinking. Oh well, yeah. yeah, my name's Doug. Just uh laid back, and uh you know. Now, know
1: everything? I'm picturing <laughs> that guy from, like, the voice of the guy from the bus at Disney. Yeah, we're just got to head over there. Well, that'll and, be right there. Yeah, there's the bus you want right there. <laughs>
2: well, that's too oh, bad. That's too bad. <laughs> yeah, 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 like super hick. <laughs> yeah. Uh,
1: okay, uh, and he. Is really struggling a lot through the novel of the death of his father, who was on the ship when it blew. Because yeah. the, the four of them were the only survivors of. I don't even think they had a full number, but I'm guessing it was thousands, or at least eight thousand people.
2: It, it seems like a big ish ship. Uh, I don't know if it was. Was it was it really that many? I don't. I don't Maybe know. I'm wrong. I thought I, it was like a know. luxury cruiser. I think it was like a it was a it was a political ship, right? So it could have been. Yeah. Could have been, uh, are could you, have been uh, anywhere. Are with you picturing 100. a Nabobian size then? Uh, yeah, I'm picturing something like that. Like 100 people, maybe tops, okay. uh, something around there. Because I had pictured something quite a bit larger. Uh, it, could have, it could have been. I, I'm totally just going off my guess here because it was at yeah. the beginning of the book now. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, <laughs> yeah. it's not like it really matters. Not, everybody, not important. Everybody not important. died with them. <laughs> right, right. Yeah, not super important. But um, yeah, yeah, so and, that's pretty much his character. And the final character
1: was avon am i getting that right Mm -hmm. yeah avon and she was a a mechanic a very she's quite young i think she's 14 and she seems to have a knowledge of a full engineer can take apart anything and rebuild it sort of person yeah her mother is another diplomat as well she what was she she was a she's the leader of one of the planets i can't Uh, remember what planet it was she was she
2: she was a senator she was a senator, I think. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I totally forget which one it was. Now, anyway. oh, oh, I, I, I'm remembering it. It was uh, was it Hosnian Prime. I think it was. I think it was Hosnian Prime. No, um, she
1: her mom was always at Hosnian Prime instead of oh, at their homeworld. Yeah, yeah, they had like the. It seems to be an outer rim planet of some sort because they their family lives in a palace on the planet that has a shield generator, and she turns it off. And then pirates kidnap her because <laughs> she's chasing <laughs> butterflies.
2: <laughs> oh my! Yeah, so, turn it off anyway. I, I forget exactly which, but yeah, I, I found it interesting though that Halsne Prime was name dropped quite a few times, and that that's yeah, of course uh, yeah, known to as me the. That, the
1: that it felt so much like trying to like cram in this equal trilogy to me. Right, right, right. Like, you yeah, need to make yeah. this planet relevant because it blew up and no one knew what it was.
2: Yeah, <laughs> yeah. For anyone, everyone who doesn't know who Ozzy Prime is, that's that's the planet that uh, blew up in the Force Awakens, uh, known as the capital for the Republic at the time of the yeah. rise of the 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 um, First Order. It's basically uh, so.
1: the B movie version. Of Coruscant.
2: Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> I don't know why it's a hub for her to go. Maybe she was a, I forget what she was a senator for. I wish i, I wish I remembered that for now. But yeah, uh, I mean, it's a different uh, yeah.
1: time zone as well, so it might have something to do with that planet as well. I mean, Coruscant, right, I think, right. is still the hub, but yeah. maybe they yeah. at this point there's like separate senates, of different planets or something. I don't know. Uh, I'm just a guess. This is not in a book anywhere, right? Yeah, because she was staying on that planet and uh avon uh because she kept getting into trouble after she was uh, captured the pirates and rescued by her uncle her mom forced her to live on how osnia prime with her and then she just kept getting in trouble intentionally because she didn't want to be there till her mom sent her out to the outskirts in exile essentially at least that's her perspective mm-hmm. on it which is where we meet her and she uh is there with vernestra and vernestra's I guess there's another Jedi that he works or she works with because it wasn't her master. Forget who mm. the name was. Yeah. It was only at the very beginning. Yeah.
2: Uh, and we have J6, who yeah. is uh, a... Avon's droid. Droid? Yeah.
1: yeah.
2: Avon's droid. Uh,
1: She's a, a battle droid that's been reprogrammed to be a nanny. <laughs> <laughs> that's
2: a little odd, but yeah. That's all right. <laughs> yeah. Cool.
1: She describes so, it as her mom is overprotective of her.
2: Mm. Right, so that's that's all the characters. In- we, oh,
1: there's a little bit more to J6, though, we should share. And that's okay. Avon has actually modified her programming to be more self-aware and self-learning and added scripts to her code to self, self-code. self So she's oh, actually... Oh, yeah,
2: that's right. Yeah, she, yeah. so uh, she
1: changes over the storyline where she kind of starts at the beginning where she's just a very typical... I'm going to say 3PO-esque, but, you know, very kind of rigid sort of character and then towards the end she is how would you she was described in the book a certain way uh how would you call it
2: i man i can't remember it was she kind of moody it was like a very moody droid and yeah she kind of reminded me of like a like a female less violent version of mr bones or something like that from no, mr
1: bones was always very excited
2: (laughs) Yeah, I mean, she was, was kind of this like, don't talk to me. Why are you talking to me? <laughs> just like, really, oh, you know what? Uh, it reminds me of like L3 from Solo, maybe. maybe I caught
1: vibes of L3 as well.
2: Yeah, maybe that's yeah. more like.
1: That's probably the best way to describe it in a yeah. very L3
2: yeah. like way. L3 like, yeah. Do it yourself. Yeah, right, right. Yeah. Don't look at me while I'm performing. <laughs> I don't know why they had that in the movie. Uh, it just didn't need to do that. Just because funny. Uh, so yeah. All right. So so some annotations here. So one one from uh, from the beginning of the book, chapter one. Starlight Beacon had been under construction for as long as vernestra could remember. Uh, so to think that this is smaller than the Death Star and uh oh, it took, for sure. took over which took over 20 20 years to finish really is an ambitious project yeah. for palpatine to, to do but i mean vernestra being 15 I'm, I'm assuming it took almost just as long for this thing to be constructed and yeah
1: and there's less technology here too right <laughs> that's true well hyperspace isn't the same yeah. but and but, it's also well they're also going to have less technology to create it and move stuff around because we already know if they're limited yeah hyperspace lanes yeah. and they don't have thousands of Gene Ocean droids to do it. That's true, to, yeah. <laughs> Gene
2: <laughs> uh, Wookiees, gene Oceans. Yeah, yeah. The, the Death Star was slaves. built on, on yeah. s- the backs of slaves. Yeah. Uh, in which case, this Starlight Beacon was not. And, and so yeah. it kind of goes and, to show just how effective the slave work was when it yeah. came to building this monster. And that raises a good
1: point, too, because this time it's a republic, right? So they yeah. they have proper workers and unions and everything that comes with that versus.
2: Nine to six uh, shifts.
1: Yeah, an empire. <laughs> and so a, a good right. comparison to that will be getting something done here in the West versus China. Right. Yeah. Or here, like when you go to just build a bridge, it's probably going to be like five to 10 years in China. They did construction of a bridge. I think it was like three days. It was crazy. Jeez. <laughs> oh,
2: That's insane, man. Just permits and everything. Right. Right. And, and worth ethics in general. Right. Uh, so there was another one from chapter four. Empath tests, Vernestra asked, the capacity to perceive the feelings of others was a rare force ability, but these were marvelous times and and it just it, it the force empath sounds to me almost like a like a fairy power uh, i just watched uh, the the winx saga on uh on netflix and uh you know this is a cartoon going back way back and uh now turned into a an adult live action show and uh, an empath is one of the fairy powers that that you can be you can feel other people's feelings and emotions stuff. yeah and, and i was like man the all empathy, i could think right? about was these fairies like <laughs> <when> I, <laughs> this empath power i was like whenever i, I use it you see yeah, like fairies yeah. floating around yeah yeah exactly can you imagine you know old old ben kenobi uh, luke you're you are you an empath <laughs>
1: <laughs> they can tell because it's just fairies that follow them everywhere
2: yeah i don't know <laughs> i don't know i just thought it was funny yeah i mean um,
1: the, the the power definitely led to an interesting kind of ending bit which i thought was kind of neat that they went that way right i don't know if you want to get into that you are just saving it
2: uh no i'm not saving it you can go right ahead okay well
1: with the loss of honesty's father uh later on when they were on on planet side stranded and they found out that it was the hill that actually did it and they were on planet as well honesty was f- filled with a lot of rage and mm. Uh, Emery, being an empath, was picking up on that and actually decided to use that as fuel to try to prove himself and go out and attack the Nihil himself while the other two girls were sleeping. Mm. So he, he went out in rage and, you know, towards dark side, sort of Jedi esque. Went out there. Yeah. Didn't go as well as he had planned, but ended up with a lot of repercussions later afterwards between yeah, so he, him he and Renestra.
2: He used that as like a source, right? Like as a yeah, it's really to
1: funny because one thing I thought was really neat because it wasn't his own rage in a typical sith like right. fashion. So if honesty got less angry for whatever reason, got scared, got nervous, he would be less filled with rage, and then that would then lose the rage that Emory was using, and you would kind of lose focus and the strength that you would get from
2: all, all you know, like fashion. All I could think about was Kylo Ren just. just like beating his like injury to get more angry (laughs) that's a good point you would think about that yeah you know typical sith like rage is power right because you get strength
1: from it and fury and passion
2: yeah so that was one thing that stuck out to me at the end was like you saw this young jedi really uh struggling with that with the dark side you know in in, um in this moment of seeking out justice in the in a a vengeful way yeah uh so uh, yeah uh there was another one the force works in mysterious ways but part of being a jedi is trusting the force even when it's difficult and that was kind of the line that um i guess to me reflected a lot about the title of the book um and and just about kind of the jedi way in general it's like they they are supposed to trust in the force even when times are are tough and and uh it's something i think that as time goes by, and the dark side has a hold on their vision, uh, to see, you know, to see through the force kind of thing, they start to doubt themselves, and that's that's yeah. how that's how you know we're we're in this moment of the High Republic, where where the Sith are are not the villain, yeah. and uh, this is the golden age, right? The golden age of the Jedi, and so we see from this moment, it'll go downhill. And we're going to go downhill until we get to the Phantom Menace. And the Phantom yeah. Menace until Revenge of the Sith is even more of a sharp downhill. Uh, so as we read these books and go forward through the higher public, it's worth remembering that as we go along, the story is going to get darker. And like the Jedi are mm-hmm. going to suffer yeah, more challenges. And right. Yeah.
1: To kind of go with what you're saying, because it's still early and we're on the kind of the Golden Age side of it. Uh, after you know, Emery has this this issue with the the dark side, and Vernestra's all concerned about it, and is worried that you know he's going to turn into like a Sith, like the the Jedi of old. And they bring it up with she brings it up with I think it's Skir at the end, mm-hmm. and he says, "Oh yeah, that, that happens to most Jedi. Like they'll 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 have a a moment in their life that will actually." come into contact with the dark side or something will they'll get a taste of it. And then from then on, it's more or less just making the choice each and every day to do the right thing. And if you yeah. compare that to what's going, what happens in the, like the actual prequel trilogy, when we're at kind of the the darkest point of the Jedi order, they're just absolutely terrified of it. And I'm sure if this had happened at that time, they probably would have kicked him out of the order to be honest. Even yeah. like, no, you're too much of a risk. We can't train you. You, right. you're released.
2: Yeah. No, that's a good point. It's a really good point. Where, uh, yeah, it, it's
1: just crazy to see the difference because in this time when I'm like, yeah, I mean, everyone comes to contact, but it's all about, you know, knowing your purpose and making the right decision. So it, yeah, it, it yeah. doesn't matter. This happens to everyone.
2: <laughs> right, right. It, it's it's a little more uh, of a normal thing for, for them to accept that the dark side is, a thing in amongst the balance of, of being a Jedi. Right. And and by the time of, of the, of the Jedi in the prequels, like they're, uh, they're afraid, you know, of, of what the dark side can can do. Right. And no
1: contact with it whatsoever. If that happens, then they think they've already
2: lost. Essentially, And, And that's, that's honestly the best way to put it. Honestly, the way that you just put it, because there's an episode arc in the clone wars where Yoda is learning the path to immortality. And and the Force priestesses are these characters that kind of guide him amongst Qui Gon Jinn as well as helping him out, uh, taking him to different places across the galaxy to uh, pass these tests, right? And there's one test that is always very visually cool as well. He has to fight himself in this very shadowy, dark form, yeah. And it's the dark side in Yoda that he never acknowledged was there. And yeah, it's, exactly. it's all they the, it's all it. the, yeah. He just denies that it's inside of him, regardless whether he makes those choices or not. He chooses not to acknowledge the fact that there is uh this temptation or darkness in anybody, right? And, and that's one thing that really sticks out to me about 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 the Jedi of that time is that they become so ignorant with with like seeing the dark side as an actual opponent yeah, at, and, and some dogmatic areas, but, about it right right yeah and, and so it's it's cool to see 200 years before that just how they respond to these these moments right they're a lot more open-minded yeah 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 uh so there's one in uh one in chapter 12 little little line there it says because her light whip was more than it seemed it was, or it was her, her because her lightsaber was more than it seemed it was actually a light whip so we already Talked about the uh, the light whip very very briefly, yeah. Uh, but uh, just to get into it a little more, uh, there was a few more sections that I highlighted. Uh, light whips are used by Night Sisters, and during the Sith Wars, the Jedi also used light whips as uh, self defense weapons.
1: I wrote down so. the same thing.
0: <laughs> yeah, <laughs> <laughs> so you, you left
1: out so. uh, they uh, used it as self defense specifically against the Sith, who trained in more aggressive combat form.
2: Yeah. More aggressive combat forms, yeah. So, so I, I thought that was very interesting.
1: I thought so too. I'm curious, I'm trying to remember, thinking back to the Clone Wars, do we ever see them use
2: light whips? No, so so the light whip specifically is different than an electro whip. So okay. so a light whip is a lightsaber. Like it it, it is a lightsaber, yeah. but the blade is flexible and yeah. Kind of rope-like.
1: Yeah, it uh, was in the EU, I do remember that much.
2: Yeah I think I think the only person who had an actual light whip was a character called Lumaya but uh I have her star was miniature actually uh but <laughs> I, I forget if that was a light whip or if that was uh, still considered a, an electro whip but I think it was I think it was a light whip but anyway um yeah, we have seen electro whips, uh, the, the Zygerian slavers carry uh, electro whips, which are the right. orange whip-like things. Yeah, and, and they can combat a lightsaber, but they can't slice through things like a lightsaber would, whereas a lightsaber slices through the same way any lightsaber would, uh, just cleaves right through things. So it's a very dangerous weapon for them it's to super wield. Super dangerous, because, yeah. Yeah. I'm trying to
1: think, yeah. I'm sure you and probably everyone listening at some point has gr- grabbed some sort of whip-like thing, just like a cable and try to just... Pretend to be Indiana Jones and just whip yourself in the hand or
2: wherever. Just oh, immediately in the, in, the, in the head, in the head, or in the arm. Or, yeah, just, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Snap. <laughs> yeah,
1: it's funny because then even in the prequel, Indiana Jones, not I guess not like the there was like a, a prequel the scene. flashback. Yeah, the the flashback. flashback.
2: Yeah. Indy does the exact same thing. Yeah, I guess the scar on his on his yeah, channel, which right. is a scar that Harrison has, and then they just decided to make it a story. Element. Why not? That's so funny. That was very cool. Maybe yeah. that's
1: the actual canon of Harrison Ford.
2: Speaking <laughs> of Indiana Jones, all right, this is this is gonna drive me nuts. This this has been driving me nuts for a while now, uh, a couple of days. But but speaking of Indiana Jones, I did not know that Temple of Doom is chronologically the first one that you watch
1: yeah i didn't know that either until i read your i didn't tweet. know that i didn't <laughs> no. know that man i, no, I was, was blown away
2: i was blown away because it was made after the the raiders of the lost ark yeah so i always thought that it just naturally you know was the next one in the second the line. one but but yeah but i guess you know very george lucas fashion like oh let's uh let's uh make a prequel
1: <laughs> and not tell anyone it's a prequel <laughs> yeah. <laughs> this sounds like the first three hilarious. seasons of Clone Wars.
2: <laughs> it's just so funny, <laughs> released in random order. Yeah, yeah. Um, George does and, it a lot, actually. That's kind he, of annoying. <laughs> he does. He's got with Clone Wars, with the Star Wars, Star films, Wars yeah, the films, Indiana too. Jones. They're all out of order, man. All of them. I'll figure it um, out. Well, they'll figure it out. They got the internet now. (laughs) (laughs) So chapter 20, uh, there was one more thing I I highlighted. The force naturally bent towards justice while in balance. And those Mm -hmm. pirates would have gotten away with their misdeeds if it hadn't been for the giant rock destroying half their ship. So um, I just thought that one little piece was interesting that the force naturally bends toward justice while in balance, because of course it's a conversation that could go on a long time about, you know, balance of the force and all that stuff. Yeah, for sure. This is the first sentence in a Star Wars novel that I've read, which acknowledges the fact that the force naturally does bend towards the light, you know, uh, in, in a, in a matter of form, like in the in the matter of justice, right? It's interesting because
1: I've always described as uh, – here described as like a gray. You're trying to go for the middle, equal light and dark.
2: Right. I, I guess if you were to break it down into the ju- judicial system, you have crimes and – and things that are fine and if you have the force which is more or less like the judge in this analogy you have the force ruling on the side of justice which would imply that there's things on the dark side of the force that it would consider it's the force itself would consider evil and and not to be tampered not to be used right so you have those two sides of the force but the light is the one that's meant to be coming out on top but then let me ask you this:
1: Then why was the balance that we that was so revered in the prequel trilogy? Why was it the death of the Jedi and bringing balance to both the light and the dark?
2: Right, and and I think I honestly I think the Jedi are are just are just victims of of Anakin's terrible terrible choices, right? Like they're they're just there as one of the casualties and one of the consequences. That's a key word there is consequence. Uh, for the choices and the actions that he took in in a selfish manner, for his own gain, for for keep, trying to keep the one person in his life that he loved, that he cared about. The best way I think that I try to look at it is is you have this this boy who, who's gone through so much pain and, and suffering. He, he starts off as this cheery little little boy and, and he goes he turns into this this monster willing to do anything for the person that he loves because he, he's so afraid to lose her. And that's something that is, is, it's like a possessive kind of love, right? A really bad kind of love to have because it's, it's, it's not unconditional. And, and so he's willing to go as far as anything, like killing children just to, just to gain any level of power to keep that love in his life because he's so afraid to lose it and fear leads to anger and anger leads to hate and hate leads to suffering right? And so that's the whole thing where George adds adds in this mentality of like you have to keep the force in balance. How, How many things in a day that we do that is considered evil? How many things that we do are considered good? And the force works on the side of justice towards the light side of the force because it's there, because we are supposed to be good, because keeping balance isn't necessarily about keeping both of those things in our life. Keeping balance means getting rid of the things that will come after us via temptation, right? Via greed, all these things that come after us that we don't want to feel, but we feel anyways. And it's these things that come into our lives that we then have to say no to, right? And that's what the balance is all about. That's because inevitably we all have these things, right? And Anakin is the perfect example of that. Anakin has to say no to these visions in the force of, of Padme dying. And he can't live with himself if he loses her, right? So he goes out of his way to try and obtain this power to prevent that from happening. But in typical Shakespearean Macbeth-style fashion, he causes that thing to happen by, pre- by trying his absolute best to prevent it from happening in the first place. And so he inevitably causes that whole wheel to start turning and, and the balance is now completely, completely out of place. And so it's not until years later where that seed of the light that's still in him, the Padme knows is there, he sees his son and it's, and it's his unconditional love for Luke Skywalker, his, his only son that allows him to be redeemed. And it allows him to come back from the dark side of the force to the light side of the force, causing balance to be restored. And this justice element really plays into that because as soon as balance is restored within Anakin Skywalker, he kills Palpatine, he kills the emperor who's the villain of the story and the one who's causing all this evil to happen in the galaxy. And so he throws them down the, the tube and and kills him and 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 balances them restored for the galaxy at large because the one who is bringing all this evil is now is now gone is now dead right uh, until of course they, they bring it back but uh, but yeah that is that is the the whole the whole concept the whole idea and that's how justice plays into this whole thing and and the forest the reason why it fights on the side of justice on the fight on the side of the light side is because evil is the unnatural thing in this universe. And in Star Wars, it's, it's no different. Evil is not supposed to to be there. Evil is not supposed to happen. And, and just like in our real, real world, like evil was a choice. Evil was a option given as an option to allow free will. And so the balance really is all about saying no to that other option to the, the easy way out, to the easy path and and about making the right choice and about making the choice that would agree on the side of justice, which would be on the side of the force. So this line really, really stuck out to me as being as being a very prominent sort of defining one sentence that that really reflects the allegiance of the force itself and how the force itself works towards the light and not towards the darkness, even though that side of the force is there.
1: Oh, for a second there. For a second, I thought I was listening to Dave Filoni. <laughs> <laughs> Overall balanced though. Uh, one thing that I actually thought was pretty pretty cool, but also a little rehashed. I don't know if you noticed, but I was going to bring it up and see if you did. The planet they land on, the ecosystem of how there's like the acidic rains that happen throughout the night. So uh, towards dusk. These, the acid rains come in and they just destroy everything. They, want, like, they just burn away all the undergrowth. Uh, these trees are, are able to stay because they have this special wax and the animals and stuff will hide in the trees. But everything else is just dissolved. And then over the night, it just pours rain and everything is barren. And then in the morning, everything regrows very quickly, centimeters per second coming back to be back for the entire day. And then night cycle continues on again. Uh, then that, that also was described in the book as balance of both dark and light. And that- Mortis. Yeah, I'll say mm. it is directly out of the, the Mortis trilogy from Clone Wars, which is exactly how the Mortis planet works with uh, the dark side and light side of the force as well. Between that, mm-hmm. the and the yeah, like and when the daughter, daughter. when
2: when the night comes, like everything just dies and then yeah. in the morning oh, it, withers. It comes back to life again. Yeah. Yeah. I thought that was really cool, actually. I thought I liked that part of the the moon that they were on was, was a was a cool attribute. Uh, so overall, what what do we think of this book? I mean, it's a junior novel. It's nothing crazy, but uh, definitely not not the worst Star Wars book I've ever read, honestly. It's
1: not Star Wars Battlefront, that's for sure.
2: No, it's not Star Wars Battlefront. (laughs) If anyone's listening, uh, Blake and I have had a, a difficult time processing, (laughs) Battlefront, the Star Wars novel by Alexander Freed, which which first both of one. us, the first one, yeah, the second one was actually awesome. Different, uh, written by uh, Christy Golden. The second one was fantastic, but but yeah, the first one was was just it was atrocious. it was tough. It was yeah, just I'm, I'm sure
1: the people, well, the fans who've been constantly listening to the show are tired of us ragging on it by now. But that's right. to me, that's the bar of the Star Wars books that I it's so hard that's to get one star. through. It's a it's struggle, a one star and book. I'd rather not yeah. be reading it
2: right right it's a one star book the only the only reason why it gets one star is because it's got some interesting facts in there that might play into the overall story at large yeah but, uh that's the only thing right <laughs> uh there's there's other one star books i've read but i'm not going to go on and list them all this one's Pretty good. What are we gonna rate it out of uh, five? Uh, five big Fortuna stars out of five big Pablos. Five Pablo's. Oh, five Pablo points. Right. That's right. right. Pablo <laughs> points. So, how many Pablo points do we rate this book?
1: Hmm. Because the story actually, to me, was relatively interesting. I didn't feel like reading it was a chore. Exactly, which to me, a lot of Star Wars books is actually pretty high praise because mm. uh, I find majority of them are less interesting than I'd like them to be, Yeah, at least uh, over the last few years. So I'm at somewhere between like three and a half and four. I probably think that's three exactly and a half is probably what pretty I was going to say. Yeah. yeah. Like I wouldn't probably read it again, but I don't, I don't feel like I wasted my time.
2: Right. Yeah. Yeah. It's a Star Wars story. You know, it's just like, all right, yeah. cool. Uh, yeah, I, I I was about to say the exact same thing. I think three and a half stars for me, three and a half Pablo points. Pablo points uh, is yeah. uh, three and a half Pablo it, points. Yeah, that's 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 where I'm at. Uh, and and here's here's a good a good way to actually kind of figure out my rating system and that's just my personal opinion i mean i'm not kind of saying this is a 3.5 uh star book uh read or don't read it yeah, whether yeah. or not you're bad yeah yeah you know if you're, if you're curious about the book go read it but uh but you know for me i was like i enjoyed it and uh, and it was it was good uh five stars for me is a favorite book right that's like you can't get five star wars or five pablo points with me unless it's it's now hit my my all-time favorite list of star wars books right which is very hard to do uh, on there is uh, is a total of two <laughs> Star yeah. Wars books. It's uh, Darth Plagueis and and Dark Disciple. Uh, it's very hard to crack that list. Uh, There's one more that you thought was super good. Four mm. four stars for me is like Light of the Jedi. Really good creative Star Wars writing. That's like mm. it's it's up there with the the best you know among the best Star Wars books. Three stars for me is like it was good. It was yeah i read once i enjoyed it moving on kind of thing you know um and and all seeing seeing is that both you and i kind of had struggles with the beginning half uh i think i think three stars is fair for me i feel like the writer got notes
1: halfway in and she changed how she was writing she she kept doing this thing. It was only in the first half and it really, really annoyed me where she would start a sentence and then break with like dashes and then talk about something else entirely different and then break with dashes back into the first part of the sentence. And that happened a lot and I, mm. it stood out to me and I just didn't like it at all. And like by the time we got a third
2: of the way into the book, it just stopped happening. Like just so, someone's thoughts like jutting into what they were saying. And then yeah, it was really awkward sentence. and it kept yeah.
1: taking me out of the book and I it, I just liked it a right? lot. And when yeah. that kept happening, I'm like,
2: I was really thinking that the whole book was going to be a struggle. <laughs> Thankfully <laughs> it stopped. I really just yeah. that. Yeah. So, anything between three and three and a half Pablo points, I think, is, is good placing. Yeah, exactly. um, so, yeah, we're on the same page there. So, uh, I looked up that information that uh, that I needed and, and I got it. So, so the next couple Star Wars High Republic books we got on the radar, we still have Claudia Gray's Into the Dark to get through, which we're, we're going to do in the next couple weeks, uh, which is the third book and I believe – I don't know if it's it's following the events of the Starlight Beacon creation or if it's also overlapping. Would not I be surprised at this point. If it it was, at all. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know much about it yet. Uh, we're gonna read that soon, but uh but yeah, that's the oh. only other book in the High Republic series so far that is, you know, uh an actual novel and not an adaption, uh, like the, the great rescue or whatever, hmm. but the next junior novel written by Daniel Jose older, as I mentioned before, race to crash point tower releases June 29th, uh, 2021. So quite a ways away. I don't know anything else about it. And, uh, the first chapter of the book is in the back of a test of courage. Uh, hmm. another book, which is written by Kevin Scott, which is the second, or I think it's, a uh, I think it's a one of the Del Rey novels, I believe, Um, possibly it's. Yeah, it's a Del Rey novel uh, launching June 29th. So same day as Race to Crashmore Tower and it's called The Rising Storm. And uh, that is supposedly supposed to be somewhat of a direct continuation, I think, of where we left off with Light of the Jedi and some of the characters there. So I guess we'll see what happens with that. so those two are also kind of on the radar. So stuff to look forward to then, yeah, something for summer, you know. Um, So until then, we got one more.
1: Yeah, and I just realized I got three more notes.
2: (laughs) Oh, go for it. Even though you're wrapping up,
1: and we've already (laughs) rated the book, so we have to unrate it because this might change (laughs) your opinion. (laughs) All right, go ahead. Go ahead. Uh, Just some notes, more or less stuff that might come up in the future. Uh, It's when we find out that Avon, Avon's father left uh, when she was quite young. He actually uh, left the family to map hyperspace lanes. So this seems to be oh. a very much a reoccurring plot point. Yeah. It happened a lot in the previous, in the previous
2: novel. Right. Cause it was revealed Land that the, the Santeca San 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 families, that's yeah. right. That's yeah. what they do. Hyperspace prospectors is the that's job right. title. <laughs> that
1: name. <laughs> yeah. So apparently her father left to do that. So at some point we, might come across him or who knows because she thinks her mom thinks that you got lost to some planet, some distant galaxy, and we'll never see him again, some solar system. Sorry. Uh, the next thing I noticed that the okay, this was a story point that kind of irked me actually. <laughs> it was during the duel between Emory, we didn't talk about this at all.
2: Oh, actually, <laughs> we didn't, no. That's okay.
1: (laughs) Yeah, so we kind of skipped over the point where there's actually a duel between Emery while he's kind of anger or rage-possessed against uh, Vernestra. And he starts choking out one of the Nihil, um, the the girl, and Vernestra just grabs him with the force and, like, chucks him over the ship and, like, into the distance. And I just... That really bothered me (laughs) because... it just doesn't fit anything we've seen in Star Wars at least on on film it was very comical you know what i mean right right yeah to me it was
2: kind of lore breaking i didn't like that i thought it was too strong she also doesn't she also uh, dismantle the lightsaber doesn't she cut his lightsaber and she in, does in yes yeah.
1: so she disarms him she switches her lightsaber to whip mode and during the duel and she gets his wrist or like just kind of slashes him not a full cut but he in panic drops the lightsaber and then as he goes to get it she lowers the whip down and cuts his lightsaber in half right and that actually leads into the next point which is that avon has been very her her sciencey self has been very interested in trying to figure out how lightsabers work and she wants to research that and thinking that her research will then her get her into a a really high university on one of the prime planets and get her out of the outer rim as so she actually collects the broken lightsaber parts and is planning on researching into it mm. and i'm curious what you think what this she'll stuck out do to me. from that and yeah. what what is missing with lightsabers of that era versus
2: well, what we know in the prequels this this stuck out to me because there was a conversation that, that character had with uh with one of the other characters and uh, he was, uh, was What's the guy's name again? Emery um, or Longestee? it was Emery. It was Emery was talking to the mechanic.
1: Yeah, that's Avon.
2: Yeah, Avon. Uh, and and uh, and he was explaining about the components of his lightsaber and how how the focusing lens works yeah. its way into the whole thing. And he explained that without the focusing lens, it would just be a never ending beam. Yeah, of energy. And uh, and I was like. Okay, well we've got we've got some sort of some sort of hint there. It's like okay, that's kind of what the Death Star is, and yeah. uh, now we've got this mechanic who's who's interested in playing around with this tech and uh, as from a young age and uh, being two hundred years before the prequels, you know the the ability to have a super weapon by the time that the plans are developed for Attack of the Clones, uh, you know we're only two hundred years away from well two hundred. 10 years or away from from that moment right so it makes me wonder whether or not that'll play into this whole super weapon based on kyber crystals concept right so you think Um, that
1: perhaps she does the research that then leads to the death star
2: i think it's planting seeds yeah i I think it could be i think it could be planting seeds um another thing that stuck out to me out of the things that you mentioned was uh actually this came up a little earlier it was about the light whip uh but specifically about how the force called her to make that weapon and yep. and that it was pointed out that the light whip was used in the ancient wars between the the jedi as del- self-defense weapons against the sith's more aggressive fighting tactics Spances, yeah they didn't go into detail what that was but it made me think because like oh these nile these nihil people are, are ruthless, right? Like they're supposed to be insanely dangerous of, of yeah, any kind kinds. They have no, um, they
1: have no, no, ethics, like self, no, code. They have no self-preservation either. So yeah. that you can't predict what they're going to do because they're like semi-suicidal. They don't care about each other. They'll do whatever it takes to win.
2: Right. Yeah. So it made me wonder, I wonder if, if uh, maybe this weapon will come in handy later in a moment of time where she does face off against some sort of something Mm -hmm. that a lightsaber might not be as effective as as a light whip could be, which I don't really know. But I mean, that's what good storytellers are for. Like they'll come up with something. But but it made me think like, oh, they actually made an effort to make it clear. Like this is, you know, for a specific purpose uh, as far as um, fending off more aggressive fighting tactics. So, yeah. so maybe I mean, with this new villain on the rise, being a very vicious kind of villain, they've made and he made has a Earth lightsaber day. now. Uh, yeah, the lead, the lead guy has a lightsaber yeah, the, now. Yeah, the leader, leader of the night, uh, Marchion, Marchion Yeah, yeah, the Eye. Mar- so, so Marcian. he's got he's got the Jedi's lightsaber now. Um, so it makes me think it's like, oh well, I don't know when these characters are all going to converge, and and maybe some of them will pop out into the more adult novels and stuff here and there. But uh, it, it's interesting to think okay we got we got a light whip now like mm-hmm. in one of the characters hands like this could play a, a key a key moment later on in in one of the del rey books or something yeah and that's one of the coolest things about an interweaving story narrative kind of like how we're going through these higher public books like they're all connected and they're all geared towards different age groups, but they're all telling this general block of story you know, at the same time. And, and mm-hmm. all these writers who are making all these different types of books sat in the same room together to do that, right? Uh, so they're always collaborating with each other. And from some of the launch event videos that we we watched and listened to and stuff like that, uh, it's been made clear to me that they've been helping each other, write each other's stories. Yeah, they've for, definitely been bouncing
1: ideas off each other. And yeah. this, this is part of the interview I recall. They actually will specifically ask, like if, they, if they're they looking for a character that'll do X, Y, Z, they'll ask each other if they have, if anyone else has a character that's already been made that would fit that position. And then they'll use that character to get everything to be more interwoven. Yeah. Yeah. That's probably why Skier so, is at the end of this book, honestly.
2: I think so. Yeah, I think so. And 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 Skier is now uh, one of the focus characters in the Marvel Comics series which is which has been uh pretty interesting i think to read through we only have two issues so far but uh third one's coming out i think this week uh i think it's oh i think it came out uh, last week actually so um i'll have to grab that but uh anyway that's that's pretty much all i got for for today if you had any any last things to bring up or is that it I'm really excited, I think I said this
1: last time we, were, we talked about uh, the previous book, but I'm really excited to get more into the Nihil. To me they're just a really interesting group of characters. So I, I think I've I mentioned this briefly, I was kind of let down that there wasn't more. <laughs> so I, was a really ex- I thought they opened the first like three chapters I think are all about the one Nihil woman. And then, like I said, we never really talked really or read anything about her again until the, the ending. But I really thought she was going to be more prominent throughout the entire book. So that was disappointing. So I'm looking more forward to novels specifically around them because they're just like really cool pirates. Right. No, they yeah. don't like being called pirates. <laughs> <laughs> we have
0: more right, well than that. We're not here yeah.
2: for the eye. <laughs> I <laughs> All right, guys. Thanks so much for tuning in, and of course, as usual, please uh, drop a solid rating and a review if you have the time. That would really help us out. It's all to do with the uh, the algorithms of getting uh, getting found on their search results and, and this and that. So uh, that and of course, word of mouth. If you can, just uh, throw up a tweet or a Facebook post of uh, your favorite episode or the perhaps even the one that you listened to this week or the one that you discovered the show with, and uh, sharing it with a friend. Of course, as usual, helps us out a lot. Uh Word of mouth is really the best way to spread our audience and uh, and it's a non-profit show so it's worth mentioning that uh, any donations you might give to us uh please just give it to world vision instead uh where they can use it towards people who actually need the money so uh thanks again for for that if you do end up going for that um and uh at the very end i've got a clip of george lucas uh talking about the force it's a, it's an old interview that uh i uh, i go back to from 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 time to time just to kind of Catch up on, on exactly how he details these things out. Uh, but Dave Filoni's in is in that round table room. And uh, it's uh, the writers of the Clone Wars, I believe, that that George is explaining the Force to. And I always found a very interesting little audio clip. It's on YouTube as well if you want to check it out. But uh, stay tuned on the show, guys. we got lots of cool stuff uh, coming up as well as more of our uh, What Happened episodes covering characters like uh, Ahsoka and Bo-Katan. And uh, hopefully you guys enjoyed the Darth Maul one that dropped because uh, we're catching you guys up on all these great characters. So until next time, we'll see you right here again on Star Wars Escape Pod. May the Force be with you.
0: Was seduced by the dark side of the Force. The Force. And the Force is what gives the Jedi his power. Found in all living things, around us, flows from us. Uh, controls individuals, yet we have free will. We have a destiny if we want to follow it. We live for a reason and must discover what it is. It looks like it was done when I started Episode One. Oh, okay. Because it looks like it's referring to Episode One, and a lot of this, like. This thing about the forest, you know, in all living things that surround us is really just a a, a capsule of what was said okay. in uh, episode five. Life creates it, makes it grow. Its energy surrounds us combines binds us. The core of the force. Mm-hmm. I mean, you got the dark side, the light side. One is selfless, one is selfish. And you want to keep them in balance. What happens when you go to the dark side is it goes out of balance and then you get really selfish and you forget about everybody and you ultimately Mm -hmm. lead yourself because when you get selfish you get stuff or you want stuff Mm -hmm. and when you want stuff and you get stuff then you are afraid somebody's going to take it away from you, whether it's a person or a thing or Mm -hmm. a a particular pleasure experience. Mm -hmm. Once you become afraid that somebody's going to take it away from you or you're going to lose it, then you start become angry, especially if you're losing it. And that anger leads to hate. And hate leads to suffering, mostly on the part of the person who's selfish, because you spend all your time being afraid of losing everything you've got, instead of actually living. Where joy, by giving to other people, you can't think about yourself, and therefore there's no pain. But the pleasure factor of greed and of selfishness Mm -hmm. is a short-lived experience. Therefore, you're constantly trying to replenish it. But of course, the more you replenish it, the harder it is to, so you have to keep upping the ante. You're actually afraid of the pain of not having Uh the joy. So that is ultimately the core of the whole dark side, light side of the force. and everything flows from that. Obviously the Sith are always unhappy because they never get enough of anything they want. Mostly their selfishness centers around power and control. And the struggle is always to be able to let go of all that stuff. And of course that's the problem with Anakin ultimately is. You're allowed to love people, but you're not allowed to possess them. And what he did is that he you know, fell in love and then married her and then became jealous And then he saw in his visions that she was going to die. He couldn't stand losing her. So in order to not lose her, he made a a pact with the devil to be able to become all-powerful. I am becoming more powerful than any Jedi has ever dreamed of. And I'm doing it for you. But of course, when he did that, she didn't want to have anything to do with him anymore. So he lost her.
2: Anakin, you're breaking my heart.
0: Once you were powerful, being able to bring her back from the dead. Well, if I can do that, then I can be emperor of the universe. I can get rid of the emperor, I can do everything. I can make everything the way I want it. And
2: together you and I can rule the galaxy, make things the way we want them to be.
0: And once you do that, you know, you're, you'll know never be satiated. You're always gonna be consumed with this driving desire to have more stuff and be afraid that others are gonna take it away from you. And of course they are, because every time you get two Sith together, you have the the Master, you have the Apprentice, and the Apprentice is always trying to recruit another Apprentice to join with him to kill the Master. Luke, you can destroy the Emperor. He has foreseen this. It is your destiny. Join me, and together we can rule the galaxy as father and son. And the Master knows that he's... Basically, everybody below him wants his job. Your heat has made you powerful. Now, fulfill your destiny and take your father's place at my side. All the only way to overcome the dark side is through discipline. The dark side is pleasure, biological, and temporary, and easy to achieve. The light side is joy everlasting and difficult to achieve. The great challenge must overcome laziness, give up quick pleasures, and overcome fear, which leads to hate. Amen. Now let us pray. (laughs) Remember, the force will be with you, always.